No, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Please be seated. I love aha moments too when I'm listening to the band. Aha. My wife reminded me. Uh, that's, that's funny. And if you're young, you have no idea. It's great to be here. Um, my wife Jody's in the front row. It's great to be able to for us to travel together and be here with you. And we just love spending time with everybody and uh, really getting to know the whole church, but also Matt and Anna and their family. And it's just such a blessing to be here with you guys. We've just just wanted to, to be here. Um, in case you don't know, I, I do get invited to come to Victoria to speak um, a little too often. And I always say no, not because there's anything wrong with Victoria. You know that. I just don't, I, God called me to lead my church in Adelaide and not to, not to, that's my job, so that's what I do is where I'm focused, but um, when these guys were asking, we said yes right away, so great to be here. Today I want to speak gently to you, um, because I think that there's, there's need for a gentle word of healing um, in your hearts that is going to help you to understand God better, but also to really participate in his journey of helping you put your trust in him. There's, um, there's four Gospels that were written, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Each of them contain the story of Jesus, but they're all, the first three are very similar. The, third, the fourth one, John, is quite different. But I want to focus on the second one today because it was the first one written, and it has a very clever way of being written. The, the book of Mark is written for a kind of people who like to see things get done. They want to see results. They want to see action. It's written to the Roman people. It's written to the Italians. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's very cleverly written in that the first four chapters of the book of Mark, it never tells you what Jesus taught. It only tells you that Jesus did teach. It just, it kind, of, it kind of revs you up. It kind of like is saying, hey guys, there's something really, really important to hear, but you're not quite ready to hear it. And it's, we tell you that Jesus taught stuff and people were delivered. We tell you that Jesus taught stuff and people's lives were changed. We tell you that Jesus came and did things and people responded to those words and saw incredible miracles in their lives. But it doesn't tell you what Jesus taught. And then the very first time that Jesus is teaching in the Gospel of Mark, he's teaching a very important thing, and that is how to listen. Because before he's going to say what you need to hear, he's going to teach you how to hear. Because it's very important that when Jesus talks, you actually hear what he's saying to you. Now, as an example of that, he's going to use his... Um, 12 Three Stooges. Um, can you say that? The, the, uh, the disciples are 12 people who won't get it on your behalf. You know, like, you know, like you need to have somebody in the story. You know, they're, they're the dopey person in the, you know, the, in the story that they just don't quite get it. And then we see them not get it. And we go, you guys didn't get it. <laughs> What's the matter with you? You know, but it's our chance to kind of watch what it's like of people not getting it. So Jesus is, you imagine this, these people are, these people, these 12 people are with Jesus, learning from Jesus, seeing Jesus, they're watching miracles, they're watching life transformation, they're, they're watching the way that Jesus 
has the anointing of the power of God to heal. And every single word that Jesus said is transformative to people everywhere. And the disciples are kind of going, oh, yeah, we get it. Look at this Jesus. He's our pal. <laughs> Yay, Jesus. And Jesus is like, all right, guys, let me teach you how to listen. Let me teach you how to learn first. So he spends all this time teaching them how to learn. They're like, hey, Jesus, hey, we got it. And then he goes, right oh, boys, it's time for a test. So he says to the guys, hey, guys, we're all getting in this boat, and we're going to go to the other side of the lake. Now, Lake of Galilee, big lake, and oftentimes subject to sudden and chaotic storms. <laughs> now, Jesus knows that as he's getting into the boat. They're like, oh, here we go. We're going to go on the boat with Jesus. Isn't this going to be good and fun? <laughs> I want to sit here. You sit there. We sit near Jesus. Oh, why is Jesus lying down? Oh, he's going to sleep. <laughs> so they're, okay. But they're like, well, Jesus said we're going to the other side of the lake. And they're just rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing. And then the storm comes. And it's crashing. It's ripping the sail to pieces. The boat is rocking. They don't know what to do. On the boat is people who have lived their lives fishing. And those people are terrified that they're going to drown. Those people are convinced, based on the wind and the waves and the experience of every other fisherman, that we are about to die. So they're going like crazy. They're bailing the water. They're trying to get this. What do we do? And then finally, they crack. And they go to Jesus, who's now asleep. Now, I don't know what a Jesus looks like who has been sleeping inside of a boat that's being bailed. But I imagine that Jesus is lying there, kind of half floating in the water of the bottom of the boat. You know, he's got his coat all rolled up under his head. And he, he wakes up from a very deep and comfortable sleep. His hair is all kind of matted and squished across his face because it's soaking wet. And in his face are 12 angry and disappointed disciples. And they say to him with incredible loving faith, Lord, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? And Jesus gets up. He stands up, looks around at these horrified, terrified disciples who are now accusing him of not caring about them goes to the edge of the boat, looks out at the storm. I just kind of see it like this. It's just kind of Clint Eastwood, right? <laughs> Jesus walks from the end of the boat. Stands at the end of the boat and goes, storm. Snuff. Zip it. the storm just goes, oh, yes, yes, sir, yes, sir, no problem, nope, no problem, whoa, that was Jesus in that boat we were making wet, I'm sorry, didn't know it was you, we got this signal, we were supposed to do a storm, we didn't know it was you, we, we were just blowing waves, 
We didn't mean to offend you. Uh, we saw we got you wet. We're sorry about that. We'll put a light breeze on you from now just to dry you out. Because we want to offend you. Lord of the universe, sorry I didn't see you. You're in the bottom of the boat. We only saw those 12 crazy people. We really wanted to kill them. But those other guys, you didn't know you are there. Sorry. So the storm is just like, heck and off. And Jesus rebukes the wind and the raves. And now the terrified disciples become absolutely gut-wrenchingly horrified that a storm was dangerous, but now the guy who controls the storms is in the boat. And I think it's really, really important for us, sorry, will I find my clicker? The test for faith is do you sleep during storms? I think that you and I, we are probably more convinced that it takes more faith to rebuke storms than to sleep through storms. But what Jesus is exposing in the hearts of the disciples is that they never believed his word from the beginning. They didn't listen to what he said. Does it take more faith to sleep in the storm or to rebuke the storm? Now, you and I, we both know from this story that the person with the most faith in the boat was Jesus. And Jesus slept. Because Jesus only listens to what God says. And the storm is howling and the wind is raging and the water is bucketing down and it looks like you're going to die. Did God say I was going to die? No, therefore I'm not dying. The disciples, they saw the wind and the waves, and they were terrified. But Jesus heard the word of the Father and slept. And it's very important to know that before they got into the boat, Jesus said, let's get into the boat. We're going to the other side. Jesus knows, I'm going to get to the other side with or without this boat. This boat can sink. I'm going to float to the shore. I'm going to wash up on the shore nice and rested. Can I, can I just ask you to ask yourself, how do you go when things are difficult? How do you go when the waves come, when the wind comes, when the, when the obvious way that you think it's supposed to turn out doesn't turn out, when, when the problems arise, when the conflicts come, when the persecution arises, when the healing doesn't appear? How do you handle that? Do you go into the rest that God has for you, or do you battle inside? Now, Jesus taught this important principle. In Mark chapter 4, in the part of the teaching on how to hear, he says, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear, because with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For the one who has, and I put in there, what? More will be given. And the, from the one who does not have, what? More will be, even what he has will be taken from him. Now, it, would, you, would you be happy with a Jesus who taught people who have little are going to get less? Like, your version, I know, your version, like my version, Jesus helps the poor. He 
He gives to people who don't have. He, he is generous and abundant, and if he actually even teaches several times, if you've got a ton, give something to people who don't have it. And then here Jesus is saying, if you don't have much, I'm going to take whatever little you got. How is that fair? I'll tell you where it's fair. It's only fair in faith. Because Jesus says, you will get whatever you believe about what I say, that's what you're going to receive. If you don't believe, if you measure faith to what I'm saying, if you measure it really, really tiny, you're going to get a tiny result. But if you measure huge faith to me, you are going to get a ton in, in result, and still more will be added to you. You're not even going to get just what your faith gave. It's going to get even abundant in you. You're going to have shaken down, pressed together kind of results in your life. But if you measure very little trust, very little belief, very little faith in it, you're going to receive very little. Now, James says, you are living the version you are a living version of what you believe. In James chapter 2, verse 18, he says, somebody will say to you, well, I've got faith. You have faith, but I have works. James says, come on, you're making a mistake here. Show me faith apart from works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You see, James is convinced that evidence of faith spills out into your actions. It's, it doesn't just kind of sit in some sort of faith column of your heart, but doesn't affect the rest of your behavior. In fact, the reality is that every step we take, every decision we make, all of the actions we take are pouring out of our faith. They are the manifestation of our faith. When you give into that temptation, that's your faith at work. When you give into that problem, that's your faith at work. When you believe in spite of what you see, that's your faith at work. That's, that's how it works. It's never going to be different. And Jesus says, like... Does Jesus love us? Does, does he love us? Like a lot or a little? A lot, right? It's like a lot. So he's like, I need you to understand this. You have got to start believing what I say if you want to live in abundance. He warns us. He tells us up front. The reason that this isn't working, what I'm trying to work, is that you don't believe me. You don't believe. So the question then is, why don't I believe? Now, in, at the beginning of Mark chapter 4, and I think that Mark put all these stories together because they're all important lessons on, on how to listen. And he starts out Mark chapter 4 with a parable of a guy who's called the sower. Now, the sower is God. What is he sowing? The seed that he's sowing? The seed that he's sowing is his words, what he's speaking to us, what he's written to us. And the sower just sows those words liberally. He is... I'll tell you what, God is not short on speaking. The heavens declare his glory. The, word, the world is full as an expression of God's word and his love, and he's just liberally sprinkling his words everywhere in the world. Now, the difference is, it's not is the word different person to person. It's the soil. So he says, he sows it on some soil. That's like a path. It's hard and worn. And then the birds come and they snatch that seed up before it can take root and go. And then he sows some of it. Some of it just falls into rocky ground. Now, rocky ground, 
looks on the surface like it's got some soil, but there's not enough beneath the surface. So when it can't take deep root, as soon as the scorching sun comes, it dries up and dies. But then there's other seed that falls into thorny ground. Now, thorny ground is growing lots of things, but it's not just growing what God said. It's growing lots of other kinds of things, things that destroy and choke the seed. And then the last one falls into beautiful, perfect, tilled, ready soil. And those seeds that go in there, they produce a harvest 30, 60, 100 times what was put in. Now, later, the disciples are sitting there, like us, going, huh? What do you mean, Jesus? Are we supposed to be gardeners now? I don't get it. So they do what they do it for us. They take Jesus aside and they say, uh, "What are you talking about?" So Jesus tells them what he's talking about. Now this is what he was talking about: the sower who sows the word. These are the ones that go, that come along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. The first problem on why we don't receive is this, because my heart is like a well-worn path that won't accept God's truth. Uh, so in ancient times, there's, there wasn't the roadway networks that we've got sidewalks and roads made, and we kind of assume that all of the world has always been the way. But what really happened in ancient times is that there was just common pathways the, the communities would have been broken up by all kinds of different fields owned by different people. But how do you get to different destinations? Well, there was accepted ways that through generations, hundreds and hundreds of years, people had just walked that path through that field. And every time you walk that path, you compact that dirt. And that dirt is compacted by the soles and the feet of thousands and thousands of people over hundreds of years. And the people who own that field know don't bother throwing seed on that path because it's not going to germinate. It's not going to get beneath the surface. Why? Because it's so common now. Can I tell you, in the scriptures, the number one most common way that people think that stops God's word from getting in is religion. It's the deep-held belief that if God is going to do something for you, it's because you deserved it. People everywhere in the world believe this. That's why there are so many religions. Because It's not because people are suddenly going, what? you got to be good to get blessed? Never heard of that. No, everybody believes it. It's down deep inside of our hole. It's because we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All humanity has this this illness, this religious illness. And so whether it's this religion or that religion, people are going to go, what? I got to do that, and then God will bless me. Righto, I'll do that. I'll wear that. I'll eat that. I'll avoid those commands. I'll avoid those things. I'll go to that place. I'll do those things. I'll give. I'll take. I'll do whatever you tell me. If you tell me what good thing to do, I'm going to do it because then God will bless me. Now, here is the inside secret. Okay, you ready? I'm only going to tell you guys, no one else, except for the people online out to the world. God does not bless 
good people because there are none. There just isn't. The Bible clearly says there is none righteous. No, not one. Just in case you didn't get in the first line, there's not one righteous. He doubles you up because you're going, well, hang on, there's got to be one. No, not one. <laughs> because the blessings of God flow to those who believe. That's it. That's it. That's 100%. That is it. That's the story of Jesus. You line up everybody who interacted with the story of Jesus, and there's a line of people who thought they had to be good to get blessed, and they got nothing. And then there's a bunch of dopes, idiots, broken people, people who just didn't get the message that saw that Jesus was just nice to bad people, and they lined up, and they got their boat full. You see, you might have a very strong conviction that the reason that you are not blessed or when God speaks something to you of his desire to do for you, that you read in his word and you reject it because you say, I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy. What about those people? Go and pray for those people. They'll be healed. Not me, Lord. I'm not good enough. It, we, we just naturally generate religion. And that is the most common hard path. And can I suggest to you, you might have it. It's the kind of thought that needs to be rejected. Now, the second thing he teaches is that these are the ones that are sown on rocky grounds. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. They have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. But when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately fall away. Now, Jesus is revealing to this to us. My heart has hidden hard parts that emerge and sabotage me during a trial. Because there's so, it's, I mean, when there's no trial, faith seems easy. But all that's saying is that that faith, that word, that conviction didn't go deep. It stopped at the place where there's a blockage in your life of, of, of woundedness, of, can I, can I just be honest with you? Everybody is broken. Everybody is hurt. And those, those wounded things in us, like calluses, they harden inside of us so that we're afraid to accept love. We're, we're afraid of shame. We're afraid of being disappointed. We're afraid of being persecuted. We're afraid of letting go of things, the things that we've learned to rely on. And all these things build up inside of us. Can I, can I tell you this? If you're trying to share the good news of God's love with people, they might not accept it because of how wounded they are on the inside. That's why Jesus said, love them, then tell them I love them. You've got to heal people. And can I, can I just have your attention? You might be a tough Aussie bloke. You might be a make-it-work Aussie girl. The reality is you've got wounds. And your faith will get better if you clear them out. If you get help and healing and restoration, then those seeds can go deep and produce the great fruit. 
And I'm going to tell you how you know whether you've got this or not. Whenever tough, tough times come, they shake you. They make you unstable. And you oftentimes lose the hope and that promise. Now, the third thing he says is that the other ones, they are sown among thorns. These are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of the riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So here's the truth. My heart has hidden desires that steer me away from trust in God. My heart, your heart, has hidden desires that steer you away from trust in God. There's... You know when Jesus was tempted in the temptation that Satan gave him? He took, some, took him out. In, in the wilderness, Jesus is going through 40 days of fasting and prayer and just relying on what? The Word of God. Word of God sustains me. Whatever God says, I live by that. I float in sinking boats on that. So I trust in what God's Word says. But Satan immediately comes to him and says, But you've got no food. And so he, he says to Jesus, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus goes, why don't I turn you into bread? <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? Devil sandwiches. Like, I mean, he could have. Just like, poof, how about that? And turn him back, just like some cartoon. Because he needs them for later, right? You know, he's got to rally the bad guys so that we know where to have a battle. So... Um, so, so immediately, it's, yes, but you don't have any food. And then Jesus conquers that one with the word of God. And then he takes him up to this super high place and he says, just jump off. And then you'll be able to swoop and not hit the ground. Nothing bad will happen to you. And Jesus says, I don't even need to test that. I don't need to put God to the test. I already know that he saves me. And he doesn't need to, to be reassured that God will just prevent any bad thing to happen. He already believes it. And then Satan says, well, what about if I give you control over everything? You could make sure nothing bad happens to you. And Jesus said, I don't need control. I've got God. I worship him. He's the one that's in charge of my life. Now, the reality is, most of us, especially here in the Western world, we are, we are surrounded by so many other options. We don't put our trust in God because we can put our trust in the things that we work for, the opportunities for comfort, the things that make us feel complete, the, the sources and reliable options that are there for us. Those things, Jesus says, are like weeds growing in your paddock. They are choking out the truth that what God promises is not just a replacement for but it is infinitely better than any human temptation, any human pleasure, any human enjoyment, anything the world can offer is so far inferior to the goodness of knowing God and trusting Him. But you see, when you are tempted, it's because you are trying, you, the devil or those tempting weeds are drawing you away to say, how is my life going to be fulfilled? How will I feel good about myself? How will I be complete? Is it the things of this world or is it the word of God? Now, the fourth one is the best one, the one we all want to be. Those, who were sown the, those that were sown on good soil are the ones that hear the word and accept it, remember, believe it, 
and bear fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Now, I want to tell you about the secret, awesome power of your heart. Your heart can be a fertile field for God's miraculous power. That's where it works. It's not inside of your works, your human effort, your flesh. It's your heart that God has given his divine power to believe. And when believing, that is the engine house for all of the miracles. That's where it happens because the power of God comes through faith. Now, there's a story, one of my very favorite stories of the Bible, because it is just so perfect. There's this, there's this woman, right? She, she's living in this town called Capernaum, and it's not far from the town of Nazareth. So the people in this region get to hear more stories about Jesus in the early days than anyone else. Jesus is traveling town to town and village to village and preaching, and people are seeing his miracles. But in this town, in Capernaum, he's coming because he, well, he's traveling through, he's preaching, he's teaching. As he's going along there, this synagogue leader, which is just like, what? Now the religion? No, hang on a second. The guy who has taught everyone his entire life that you've got to be good to be blessed can't save his daughter. And so he's decided he's going to let the seed go through the path. And he shows up to Jesus and says, Jesus, my daughter's This is going to, if your daughter was dying, how would you talk? Lord, uh, I would like to formally invite you over to my house to heal my... Uh, Dying daughter, if you could perhaps get your secretary to contact my secretary and we can arrange a time perhaps in a month or two, whenever it suits you. No. Can you come? You know, that's how it goes. I've prayed those prayers. So Jesus goes, sounds good starts going as he's going through the marketplace of the city this woman comes up and sneaky sneaky she'd heard the reports about jesus came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment for she said if i touch even his garments i will be made well and immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease now jesus stops the story and I love, I love this. This could have happened and nobody would have known. But Jesus, it's kind of like, yeah, we're dead. We're walking through today. We're going, well, our to Jerry is how we'll see you there. Kid, we'll meet you after lunch. Pause. You know, like the birds stop in the sky. And you got in the background people buying and selling in the marketplace and they're like, you know those science fiction movies where time stops, you know, I don't know, somebody Thor or somebody's made something happen. <laughs> and you're like, Wah. so all these things are going on. Jesus just stops time. We are not leaving here without this lesson. Now, Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out of him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And the disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and you say, who touched me? <laughs> can, you, can you, like, Jesus is walking through a crowded marketplace with 12 dopes, 
that are all struggling for position to get beside him. I'm walking with Jesus. I'm walking with Jesus. No, like they're a bunch of five-year-olds who want to go with the teacher to the zoo. They're all, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all kind of banging into each other. What are you doing there? Stop selling that. I'm trying to buy some grain over here. And they're all banging into each other, bumping and bumping and bumping. And then Jesus, in the middle of all that, Peter has just bounced off Jesus. Jesus goes, oh, 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 stop it. Somebody touch me. Peter's like, well, everybody's touching you. Now we're worried about touching? <laughs> like, what? Like, what are you? Like, I touch you. He touched you. Simon touched. Like, everybody says, Andrew, stop touching him. Like, who would tell me what to do? You touch him 10 times too. Like, what was, like suddenly Jesus says, why are you so touchy? <laughs> yeah, social distance. You're giving me COVID. <laughs> Jesus says, no, 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 no. He looked around to see who had done it. And the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came up in fear and trembling and, he, and knelt down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, it was your faith that made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Let me tell you. I want, I'm going to tell you something that you are going to have a huge hard time to accept. I'm going to tell you that the power of God is banked up all around you. That it is, it is ferocious and dynamic. And it, is, it can turn one thing into a completely different thing in a microsecond. It is, it is there. It is the same power that, that created the universe in a word. Pop! There it goes. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It's all dynamically surrounding you all the time, and it's waiting for one trigger, your faith. This is what Jesus said. Yeah, you guys all touched me, but you didn't believe I could even heal you from a head cold. You didn't believe I would bless your children. This guy, Jairus, thought I had to come to this house. Jesus heals the woman unintentionally. Oops, I just healed you of a 12-year disease. Why? Well, Jesus said to the woman, you did this. You did this. My power comes through those who believe. And it creates the reality that you were believing for. It makes it happen. All you need to do is believe. This woman, she has nothing. She has no capacity. She's not a good person. She's not a moral person. She's not got anything right. She comes from a horrible family line. She's probably had every kind of other issue in her world. She's alone. She's untouchable. She's unclean. She's been taught from childhood that she is not worthy of God. If she touches a rabbi, she takes her life in her hands because if you have a woman with an issue of blood and you touch a rabbi, you make him unclean. And Jesus is like, you touch me, I make you clean. That's who I am. I'm the Lord of the reality around here. So if you touch me, what I have goes to you, not what you have goes to me. 
I'm going to take what you got to the cross, but I'm going to give you who I am when you touch me. All you need to do is believe. And I'll tell you, her heart is not different than yours. It is not different than yours. You see, she had heard the reports about Jesus. That's all she heard. She didn't read the Bible. She didn't know all the details. She didn't study the book from the spiritual dynamic leader of the day. She hadn't had an, a visit from the archangel Michael. She heard a report about Jesus and came up behind him and touched his garment because like most crazy people like us, she got some cracker idea in her head and thought, if I do that, that'll work. And Jesus's power leaks into her. Boom. Oh, I noticed power go out. Someone touched me. Not you, dopes. You don't believe anything. Where is he? Yeah, where is she? Where is she? Oh, there she is. Come on out. And they're all like, her? And he's like, I'm going to tell you, this is the reality you need to learn. There's 30, 60, 100 fold in that girl. She's living her blessing because she believed. Please believe. Jesus made this story get into the book so you would read it. Because other people heard her story. And one chapter later, wherever he came, in the villages, in the cities, the countryside. They laid their sick in the marketplace. Where did Jesus meet her? In the marketplace. And implored him that they might touch what? It's the church of the fringe of the garment. They've now made a religion out of her method. You, you know this. Oh, how much time have I got? Am I, am I boring you too much? I, I, lo I, love, I love this story because it's like one woman with no theological degree who understands nothing about rabbinical garments who touches his garment. By a chapter later, they've developed a theology around it. And now everybody's gone. Jesus is coming to town. Where do we got to go? Marketplace. That's where the last miracle happened. That was the big one. But you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> right? Oh, I would have thought synagogue, but we'll go marketplace. Line him up in the marketplace, everybody. And why do we got to touch him? Well, he's, gonna, he's got this coat on, right? A rabbi garment. So just touch it when it goes past. What about if I touch his hand? No, no, just the garment. Are shoes okay? Probably not. We've got no evidence for that. We're just going to go with the fringy thing. <laughs> it's a fringy You know what happens? Do you know what happens later? You know what happens later? It's his shadow that's healing people. Because you know what I, I know what I reckon happened? I reckon people were lying there in the marketplace, trying to touch the garment, and reaching and miss, but his shadow goes across them and they get healed. Because it was never about the garment. Because <laughs> his shadow goes past them and they're like, whoa, I just got healed. What was that? It was shadow. Okay, now shadow ministry. <laughs> We've upgraded. So I'm driving a bunch of youth from Adelaide to Victoria. I was a youth pastor, had a van full of about 12 kids in this van. We had multiple little vans. I was the driver of this van. 
as we're driving along in this, in this van, all of the kids on a long trip, they just get so bored. You know, they're 14, 15, 16 years old. They're going crazy. It's a long trip. So they're goofing around in the back. And one of them notices there's this dome light in the middle of the van. And they're looking at it, and there's no switch on it. So they're like, how do you turn this thing on? What do you do? What do you do to turn it on? And as they were driving along, as we're driving along, I'm driving, and I'm thinking, I'm watching what they're doing in the rearview mirror going, yeah, how do you turn that on? And I thought, I'll look around the console. Maybe there's a switch here for that light. And just at the moment when I found the switch and turned it on, one of them tapped the light. <laughs> and so they went, oh, it's touch sensitive. <laughs> it's touch sensitive. It's touch sensitive. We're all wondering here. I figured it out. It's touch sensitive. All right, you guys, you don't know nothing. It's just about touch and touching it. And so I thought, well, this is great. They tapped it, I turned it off. They tap it, I turn it on. They tap it, so we're going tap, 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 tap. And I'm off, on, off, on. I'm up at the front. <laughs> Just is so great. They're all like, I don't know, it's worked this out. I'm pretty smart here, you know. And then they're lying in the seats and they're throwing different things shoes and stuffed animals and pillows <laughs> to see if they can hit the light. Every time someone hit the light, I turn it on. Hit the light, turn it off. Hit the light, turn it on. Now, one time one of the kids, he swung something at it, and he stumbled, and he missed, and I turned it on. <laughs> so they all went, oh, it's motion sensitive. <laughs> so then they're weaving stuff at it, on, off, on, off. On, and, then, and we're having a great time until I am dying in the front seat, laughing my head off. And they're like, what's up, Pastor Joe? Why are you laughing? I'm like, because I've got the switch, you morons. I've got the switch. Okay. I want to tell you the secret, the switch for all the power that makes the light go on off for your life is you believing. That's what it is. You keep making it about how good you are, how much you pray, what you sacrifice, how you're holding it together. No, 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 no. The entire thing is do you believe? Do you believe? So right now, God is speaking to you, has spoken to you. You might know as much as the woman or you might know as much as Jarius, but you still need faith for what he said. What did he say to you? What has he said to you? Whatever he has said to you, believe it. Because with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Jesus said, I can save you from your sins. Remove condemnation for your life. Put your faith in him and find salvation. You will know God the moment you receive Jesus. If you need a healing in your body, the question is not, Will God heal? Is what did God say to you about your healing? If you don't know for sure what that is, find out what God is saying to you about your healing. If you're worried about your finances, find out what God says to you about his promise to preserve you, to bless you, to provide for you, and to increase you. Find out what God is saying to you about the purpose of your life. If you're thinking, but I'm nothing, I can't accomplish anything, that's not the word of God. Find out what God says about you. Find out about what God says and then believe it. 
And where you believe it, you will find the power of God to make it a reality. As soon as you believe, in an instant the woman was healed. In an instant you will walk in the good thing that God has promised you. The question is, do you believe? Do everything you can to increase your faith. Pray, fast, read, study, dive deep into God. Stand around and be with faithful people. Increase your faith and you will see the glory of God. So, Father, today, we just need you. We need you to increase our faith. We need you to do something inside of our hearts that, that makes them well. Lord, if there is hard thinking in us, like paths, if there's anything in us that's rejecting your word, we pray, Lord, that you forgive us and that you stir that ground up. You till it again, Lord, and make it able to receive your goodness and your love and your life. Lord, we pray that you help us to get out of religious thinking. Save us from this false belief that we are the one who moves your hand. Lord, that our human flesh could accomplish anything good. Lord, Lord, it's so wrong, but we put our trust in it all the time. Forgive us, Lord, for trying to earn what you want to generously give. Lord, for people here today that have experienced the hardships of life, the things that disappoint us and disillusion us, the things that put pain in our spirits and calluses on our hearts. Lord, we pray for healing for every wounded person that's here. Lord, restore our hearts so that we can be like children and believe in the things that you say. Lord, help every person that's been wounded to find a path to a loving person, a loving community, a loving understanding so that we can become well. And Lord, for those of us who are distracted by the temptations around us, by the things of this world, by the opportunities of this world, and they're trying to find the answers to our soul's needs in the things that the world provides, Lord, forgive us. Lord, help us to see that only what you say will really heal our heart's needs, will really provide for us. Lord, remove from us and help us to repent of every human desire and temptation that comes from this world. Lord, restore us. I want you to just have a moment where you consider what has God said to you? What has God said to you, either in his word or personally to you? What has he spoken into your heart? Has he said, I love you? Accept it. Receive it. Has he promised to bless you? Accept it. Receive it. Has he promised to heal you? Accept it. Receive it. Has he promised to provide for you? Accept it. Receive it. Has he promised to make you his instrument in this world? Accept it. Receive it. Has he promised to nurture your children and your grandchildren? Accept it. Receive it. Has he promised 
to forgive your sins? Accept it. Receive it. Has he promised to save you? Accept him. Let Jesus give you his eternal life. Lord, I pray that you confirm your word with power. And I release the healing power of God on this people, Lord. I release the power of God on those watching online. I release the power of God to, to increase, to bless, to abound, to overflow. Lord, with the measure that people are using right now, Lord, I pray that you would measure it to them. And I release the power of God upon every person for their restoration, for their healing, for their deliverance, for their, for their hope to come alive again and for their vision for their life to be illuminated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, bless, 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 I pray, in the power and the authority of Jesus' name.